Hey, I'm Martin here. I'm back with Tristan. And this week, we talked about all the earnings of the big tech companies from last quarter. We took a look at our mailbag and also went to some interesting new tech events. Let's get into it. This podcast is 100% supported by Nebula subscribers who get the podcast early on Friday and also get video access on Nebula as well. If you like the podcast, consider subscribing at nebula.tv slash chillout. Hey there, taping this Friday chill out just after midday on Friday. Martin, host of the Friday Checkout and Tecata is here. Welcome. Hello, I'm here and also welcome to Tristan, my researcher on the Friday Checkout. How's it going? Good, thank you. Uh, Martin, good reviews for our first podcast last week. Um, we did get a couple of tips and pointers, but one thing everyone likes is when we hit the ground running talking tech. So let's get into it. Uh, a massive week. Um, and our first up is earnings because they came out after we uh, sorted out the, the Friday checkout. So big company stuff. And the point here isn't to talk about stock prices, ups and downs, especially not our predictions, but what some of the numbers and details tell us. And those the devil is in those details. What we saw from Apple, Alphabet, Amazon, Qualcomm, Meta and more this week. It was pretty interesting. Um, I actually wanted to go to Qualcomm um, because we've been talking in the checkout for weeks about how smartphone demand has fallen off a cliff. Um, Qualcomm actually gave some insight into what's what it is seeing with uh, CEO Cristiano Amon saying, among other comments, that the handset industry, I'm quoting here, the handset industry continues to experience reduced demand and we are now expecting elevated channel inventory levels to persist at least through, through the first half of calendar 2023, which is sort of code for saying uh, we have a lot of smartphones sitting around not being sold. Uh, those comments also extended to IoT devices. So it's bad news for smart smartphones, bad news for device makers. Martin, what will get people buying smartphones again? Nothing. I think the economic situation changing. <laughs> I don't think I don't <laughs> think there's a like it's not product innovation that's going to get people buying stuff again because there's not enough change in the industry. Um I think if Samsung brought out a triple fold or like a dual fold device, it would get me to upgrade. But uh, I think the average person is happy enough on the phone that they're on. Uh, times are tough, I guess, for the most part. Um, so, yeah, it's just going to be like this for a while. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you want to talk about Apple, I think. Uh, you had a, little, a look at the numbers where Apple's revenue was down. Yeah, Apple's revenue was down. Uh, and it's particularly interesting across the device categories. Um, of course, uh, it's maybe a good thing to point out that stocks are up generally this week because right, the right. only thing that the market seems to care about is whether the Fed uh, raises interest rates or not and whether there's inflation or not. So it's, uh, the, the stocks move as much because of the general economic situation as they do because of the specific company performance. Um, but yeah, Apple had a slightly disappointing quarter. Um, and I think what's interesting is that iPhone sales are down 8%. That's actually not bad compared to everybody else. Like I, I actually feel like that's kind of an achievement, especially that they had specific uh, exposure to the Chinese market from the production perspective. Um, so they did fine by only declining 8%. What sounds kind of the most scary is Mac being down 29%. Uh, but of course, that's a bit of a, a unfair comparison because uh, this was a quarter when last year a lot of new computers came out. This year, not so much, and the new computers actually came out on January. I think it was January, right? Uh, so yeah, um, this, this quarter essentially. Yeah, yeah. this quarter. So twenty nine percent is not uh, as bad as it sounds either. Um, interestingly, iPad was up, which I I didn't expect after the the whole. Uh, uh, 
but basically i think i think the whole um consensus was that tablet sales were incredibly good during the pandemic and then incredibly bad after so the ipad being back up again means that uh maybe there's some revival there for tablets in general and services were up six percent that's fine i guess nothing nothing too crazy for apple this year <laughs> yeah i think i think those iphone numbers are which is pretty much all that matters um is uh is pretty good considering the the production issues um and uh and and from what we've what we've been talking about in terms of um, you know rivals are down fifteen percent twenty six percent in terms of their shipments and apples down just a few percent and probably going to be back up again um, uh, you know year on year uh, this yeah, quarter they're, so they're definitely less exposed to the market than others uh, just because of being in a premium category and their consumers aren't as price sensitive and blah so yeah. Uh, and did you make anything of the number that Tim Cook put out there, which was uh, now there's two billion iPhones in use, apparently? No, I mean it's just a. <laughs> it's it's true. It's true that their their install base is growing across all these device categories, yep. and so if you view Apple as a device business, um, that's that's one perspective. But if you view them as a service company, as a, as a uh, all Apple users are just people that you can sell Apple TV subscriptions to, then that's great news. <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, okay, so I want to get to Alphabet earnings now. Um, so the the Google uh, the Googleplex, um, they were pretty weak, uh, but it almost doesn't matter, and, I, and I'll tell you why. So um, incredibly, YouTube search ad network services, they're all shrinking. Um, YouTube ad revenue, sorry to say, was down 8%. Um, search revenues down two percent. These are quite big, bad numbers. We've we've never seen declining search revenue, right? Like this is the first time uh, that we ever see declining search revenue for Google. Yeah, I don't want to be definitive about this, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And search isn't one of those things where you can you're delaying your search. You know, you might yeah. be delaying your iPhone purchase, but you're not delaying your search. So, yeah, those are big numbers. But the market doesn't seem to care because um, Sundar came out and said. Google will be making artificial intelligence-based large language models like Lambda available in the coming weeks and months and um, specifically said users will be able to use language models as a companion to search. Uh, and I guess to emphasize that even further, Google announced it will be holding an event in Paris about how it's using the power of AI to reimagine how people search for, explore, and interact with information. So... Uh, that was the invite that's been sent out. It's a 40-minute event scheduled for February 8th. So um, they're taking it pretty seriously. Yeah, it's. I feel like this is the, the entire... Like, there's basically two overarching messages that we see from the industry. Uh, one is that, uh, trust us, uh, business is bad, but we're gonna get we are we're gonna optimize the hell out of our business. We're gonna fire people. We're gonna lay off this. We're gonna optimize Layoffs, it. Yep. And two, uh, trust us. The the AI wave is coming, and we we're super well set up for it. Like we're gonna we're gonna crack this. We got people on it. We have plans. Soon we're gonna be printing money out of this. <laughs> Just believe in a future existing where AI makes a lot of money for us please and until then we'll fire everybody that we can i think i think that's the that's the general uh, pr perspective um i mean yeah you were saying that people don't delay uh searches that's true but i think advertisers do delay advertising on search sure, so sure, sure. uh yep. the, the, the the actual customers of search <laughs> definitely do delay their purchases 
Um, but yeah, I, we can we can very clearly see ad revenues. I, I'm surprised it's only eight uh, percent. I mean, if you look at the the CPMs on YouTube, I I think we're easily down thirty forty percent at least. Uh, mm. And I've also heard similar things from most other creators as well. It uh, depends on the niche, of course, and depends on the video and how long it is. But like in general, prices are down. Uh, what I'll be interested in is whether uh, shorts revenue is going to change any of this because they mm-hmm. have just launched it in February. Uh, yes. Tristan, I can tell you, uh, we've just launched a first ever short. Take a guess at how much money we earned on the first day of making the short, which had about, I think, 10,000 views. Pretty pretty slow short. They always start slow for me. But guess how much we made with 10,000 uh, views. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think a euro, maybe. 30 cents. Mm, sad (laughs) so i don't i don't know if this is completely correct yet because i think it might only be showing revenue from shorts being viewed not in the shorts feed but in the regular youtube page and i also don't think that uh because i think the shorts feed stuff will show up a day or two later or whatever um and i also think that shorts revenue is going to increase quite a lot because i think the they just start so they don't have a lot of uh ads in shorts yet so there's not a whole lot to pay out yet so this is you know something that might might ramp up later on um and i'll be interested to see if that's the case and if yes how is that compared to tiktok and instagram and everybody else yeah sure i think youtube's probably most exposed to to marketing budgets so um seeing how shorts take off um i saw netflix is doing better with their ad tier um service as well i think they had double the ads uh in january than they did in december so yeah this competition and um it's going to be interesting so uh one, one uh thing i'd still add to that as well is that um google specifically said that the three areas that they highlighted that did better they said uh-huh. great momentum was cloud yep. 30-something percent. Pretty obvious cloud is always doing well. It's just a default. Is it? Um, YouTube subscriptions. So I guess that means uh, YouTube premium or whatever it's called these days. And then pixel devices. Now, I find that right. quite quite funny because, A, I think that's the part that we, the nerds, care about the most. Um, uh-huh. But I also looked at the numbers and pixel devices in the other bets category. And it's... Uh, I think something like $220 million in revenue versus search, which has $48 billion. So it's like, it doesn't matter whether Pixel does well. There's like right, absolutely so, no so, bearing at all on Google's earnings. Yeah, so you're so just to explain, um, Google doesn't break out its Pixel uh, revenues separately. Correct. It's hardware revenue, uh, which I guess because it's so small uh, in comparison to, to numbers like search. Uh, so uh we 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 sort of have to guess and the the only qualitative information that we got was uh it's doing great that's it it's <laughs> increasing it's increasing yes, yes. but still completely irrelevant by size to google gotcha uh and then so coming back to what you're saying leads into meta um because you're saying uh there's been you know, uh, these companies are talking about efficiencies and layoffs and so on um and as uh, Meta's stock went up a lot uh, through a, good, a decent result, but also uh, the year of efficiency. So um, tell me more. Yeah, so Facebook or Meta hired, what was it, 23,000 uh, new employees, something in this range. And then they uh, fired 11,000 of those right away. 
<laughs> so, so that's the year of efficiency for you right there. <laughs> Plus, of course, uh, uh, they're doing, um, you know, they re uh, financing office space. All these companies are doing this and like figuring out all the chip businesses. I found that quite funny. They're they're finding new, uh, or not the, the chip companies, but the uh, the Google, for example. They found uh, a new way to account for uh, how they use their servers to depreciate them slower. So, so it oh, accounting tricks is the new yeah is the new hack. <laughs> just yeah. accounting tricks, right? You just like what if we accounted for this a year later? Then our finances look a lot better now. Yeah, so all these companies are doing all these trickery, uh, but yeah, cutting down on stuff, cutting down on people, cutting down on office space, um, and their performance seems less terrible. Like it seems to have kind of like bottomed out um, uh, in terms of their the collapse of their revenue. Uh, uh, user growth is steady. Uh, they announced a forty billion dollar stock buyback, which is pretty crazy. Like, mm-hmm. how does this company have enough money to pay? for a massive buyback when they should be spending all their money on the the metaverse and on building out AI capabilities and on building out their reels strategy and everything. I find that pretty wild. Um, but yeah, they seem to be kind of confident and investors seem to buy that maybe we've seen the the end of bottom of the bottom for, for Meta. Gotcha. Okay, and after Meta, uh, we also saw Amazon, uh, which published a bunch of sort of a few confusing numbers. Amazon's such a big company that it's always a bit tricky, but breaking out its cloud business, uh, Amazon Web Services, AWS, missed estimates for the first, fourth quarter, um, reflecting sort of a slowdown in business spending that we that we are seeing. But um, of course, AWS still grew, but it was only 20%, only uh, down from 27.5% in the third quarter. So... Uh, Cloud's still great, but just not quite as great as it has been. Um, it's, but the it's number, a pretty, it's a pretty, uh, pretty striking difference from like not long ago. We used to be in the 50, 60, and 70% range for growth for all three cloud vendors. And now we're seeing they're all in the like 20 to 30 ish. Like that's a, that's a lot of momentum gone, I feel like. Yeah, certainly. And I think that's hurting uh, businesses like Intel because. Um, data center growth is is slowing, so that and yeah. Nvidia and so on. So, um, the the other number I wanted to highlight from Amazon was uh, its free money category, uh, is which is what I call it, but that's its advertising revenue, which jumped nineteen percent from a year earlier. Just ha- running ads on within Amazon's own platform, is there a better business? <laughs> and that and that means that uh, given that ad rates are down significantly everywhere, it means that Amazon just put an ungodly number of new ads onto their platforms that were there before uh and you can tell right like go to amazon.com and it's just like you can almost not find any non-sponsored product anymore these days it really feels like google where just like any of your search results are ads and anybody who doesn't pay for ads just doesn't rank anymore and just doesn't get to sell anything on amazon anymore so so amazon gets to double dip they make money from the the ads and then they make money from the transaction and then potentially also from Prime, so maybe triple dips, but it's a, it's a pretty crazy business model. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so that's sort of, that, that's a, a quick run through uh, some, some of the numbers there from earnings. Uh, any overall thoughts on what it all means? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like the, the kind of trends of everybody, especially on the cloud uh, and, and ads 
front, uh, specifically Microsoft, Facebook, and Google, they're all like, trust us, we we got this ad stuff figured out. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, this AI stuff figured out. Um, and I, I think it's going to be interesting to see which one which one of these actually does, or maybe maybe there's many winners. Um, and then other than that, uh, yeah, I was most surprised by kind of the cloud slowdown. Like it seems pretty consistent across the board. Both the service providers, all three of the big ones, the chip vendors, the device vendors, uh, it's pretty striking to see. And I, and I didn't think that it would come to uh, such a big slowdown so, so soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that is the surprise. Uh, okay, that brings us to the mailbag, uh, where we, but mostly you, Martin, answer questions and thoughts from readers. Um, so let's jump in. Two questions here today. First from Solomon. Um, what is Samsung's price strategy? So uh, the context here is uh, Samsung launched the S23 series uh, this week. We talked about it in the checkout. Um, US pricing was the same, which was actually a reasonably good deal. But uh, pricing in Europe, India, Australia, etc., uh, went up quite a lot uh, for most base model. Um, well, for, for all the devices, uh, but starting at the base model, um, up at least a hundred dollars or or hundred euros or more. Um, a hundred dollars, I think, in US sort of covers the, the current all the other currencies. Uh, you do get a bit more base storage, which is one thing. Um, I think you went from one twenty eight to two fifty six standard. Uh, but, um, yeah, they cost more and that's not what we're seeing in the U S. So what is Samsung doing here? And, uh, what did you think of the trade value stuff? Although we did talk about this in the checkout a little. Yeah, I think, I think it was very interesting to be at the Samsung event. You and I were both there. Um, (laughs) the German team said very specifically that the share of Samsung in the high end category, so $600 plus and $1,000 plus, especially is increasing pretty significantly. Uh, both for the Fold series and for the S series. And within the S series, the share of the Ultra is increasing as well. So basically what we're seeing is that doing expensive stuff is working for Samsung uh, across the board, at least for the German market. We don't know so much about the rest of the world, but actually if we look at global market share figures for the year, we see that only Samsung and Apple we're in the like minus 4% category, whereas all the other vendors, especially the Chinese ones, are significantly uh, worse off this year. So their uh, portfolios are having trouble across the board, especially in the Chinese market, of course, which is hit hard, but in other countries as well. Uh, Samsung has increased market share in India as well, in Europe as well. So um, I think they feel that doubling down on going more premium, starting at higher base storage models, uh, going for a, a, now a Qualcomm processor that is, I suppose is going to cost them more than the Exynos processor did, especially in the European markets, uh, et cetera, is, is just the right call. And they can just afford to uh, uh, go higher with the prices because apparently people are seeing Samsung more and more as a premium brand. And honestly, I've as a, as a consumer, I have conflicting opinions on this, but as somebody who thinks about companies as companies, I like companies who who are like, okay, we're going to make a premium product and we're going to charge for it. I think on the long term, this is the only way to set yourself apart. You you can't fight a price war against Xiaomi and Realme and win. You cannot come out ahead. So you have to fight on the premium end. Um, there, of course, you have trouble with Apple, but apparently Samsung manages to do that. So if they are able to do it, then uh, I think it might be the right call in the end for the company. 
Look, I think that makes sense. Uh, I, I'm going to slightly di- disagree with you in terms of I'm going to make a fearless prediction that uh, Samsung didn't really throw much out there in terms of uh, deals and offers and, and its trading values are all cut quite quite dramatically. I suspect it, that uh, Samsung might have to offer deals a little later. So in, in the coming months, we might see some um, news, news reports saying demand is a bit weak and Samsung's trying to do a little bit more to, to push these out. Um, I did see that the S22 series uh, had a few... Uh, did did get cut in price a little bit, so but it, even that wasn't very aggressive. So uh, there's not a lot of value out there, I think, from from what Samsung's offering in its flagships. Um, and I suspect that they may need to cut their prices um, moving forward. But that's that's one of the great things about starting high is that you can always cut, you can always promote, you can always go lower, and you can always and, and then it always seems like wow, such a good deal. Like now it's three hundred dollars <laughs> less point. or five hundred dollars less. But if you, if you start low, there's nowhere you can go. And then if, if you start low this year, then next year, if you go higher, then that will seem like a slap in the face as well. So uh, it's there's a lot of benefits to starting high. You have the signal value of this being a premium product right out of the gate. Price signaling is incredibly effective. If you tell people this costs $1,500, it doesn't matter whether it's good or not. People will just like, like by default assume it's good. Um, and you can always go lower from there. You can always include free earphones, you know, five new subscriptions and whatever. And then people might be able to convert better that way anyway. Yeah, yeah no, I think that's a great point. Um, okay, moving on. The second question that we have is uh, sort of on Apple, which is, doesn't Apple seem badly positioned for a future in which artificial intelligence might be the next sector of growth for tech companies? Uh, which is a pretty good question, really. Quite gets to the point. Um, you wouldn't... Uh, I guess Apple has struggled with Siri for a long time, and that's one of its uh, areas of artificial intelligence. Um, I, I think its self-driving car ambitions um, have become just EV ambitions, uh, implying a sort of a lack of breakthroughs there. Um, doesn't Apple seem badly positioned? Yeah, I, th- I think I kind of agree. What do you think? I think so. Uh, the question is, who gets to monetize all the new AI advances. Um, and I'm not sure. I, I agree that Apple is not going to be necessarily the one who's going to build all the coolest AI applications and whatever. Although, of course, they do build uh, AI things into uh, their software as well, like uh, camera software, blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, I agree that they're not going to be maybe at the uh, at the very high end of this. But their strategy kind of works even if they're not the ones building the AI app that you use on the iPhone because they get a 30% cut of all the revenue that you make over it anyway and you buy the phone from them uh, and you buy the whole ecosystem around it and perhaps the next the next version of the device, which is the AR glasses or whatever it will be, you're going to be buying from them anyway. Um, so unless something fundamentally changes, I agree that they're not set up to be the best company to take advantage of it, but they're so entrenched by owning the device and platform and app distribution and everything else layer that I think they're still going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. I I do think it reflects a little bit poorly that Apple is never on the forefront of sort of these innovations. Um, and the opportunity is there for Microsoft with its investment in OpenAI to have all these queries running through its data centers, so on and so on. Um, this, this sort of hardware data center backbone 
um, is, is massively unprofitable as we were talking about with cloud. But uh, it's not really Apple's play, as you say. So I think seeing how it plays out is, is going to be pretty interesting. Yep. Uh, okay, Martin. And we end the podcast with uh, our trivia slash fact corner. I throw a number at you and we see where the conversation goes. You already actually know this number, so it's not going to be a total surprise. But okay. the number is 49 million euros uh, or about 53 million USD. And that is how much Fairphone raised this week in a new growth round. Uh, and <laughs> we, we do mention this in the checkout. What's crazy about that is they also gave out some fig- sales figures and they sold 120,000 devices in 2022, which is not bad. I think uh, the 2021 figure was 88,000. So they are a growth company. Um, but with each Fairphone selling for about 600 so the Fairphone 4 is the current model, uh, each of those sell for about $600. That's about $7 million in annual revenue or about 70. two hours of it. $70 million. Yeah, oh, 70 My bad. <laughs> Maths is math. Wait, really? No, I think so. Let me, yeah. Let me think about that. Yeah, it must be. Sorry, my bad. Um, 70 yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's a lot better than seven million. So maybe my whole point. Yeah, raising is raising fifty three million on seven million of revenue would be pretty amazing. But uh, it's actually seventy. So <laughs> yeah, uh, they're but it's still kind of uh, impressive. They raised almost as much as they made revenue in a whole year. That's it. Uh, so that's that's a pre- that's a pretty big figure. And yeah, um, and the, the, it's there's no numbers there. There's no numbers there on profit either. So you assume no profit. Yeah, I, I I doubt that they like in this stage of a company, I doubt that they make significant profits, especially with as complex of a supply chain as they have. Like they're not just, you know, buying a, a phone off the shelf in China and selling it for two hundred euros more each time. But they really have to get deep into the supply chain on everything. They have a lot of costs. They have to support each model for what is it, seven years or whatever. So like it's I'm I'm sure <laughs> that there's a lot of uh a lot of stuff there. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah, I mean, good luck to Fairphone. This is obviously going to be a Fairphone 5. We're going to see more products from them. Uh, we're going to see these crazy numbers around how the Fairphone 2 gets Android 15 um, and, you know, no other phone can, can do that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's good news. Yeah. Cool. All right, Martin, that is it. Uh, before we go, yeah, we did go to a few events this week. So we went to a HTC Vive XR demo uh which was mostly you wearing it um but cool to see pass through uh cool to see some games and uh, like how their platform's expanding yeah i think my feeling with the vive headset is that it's in a little bit of a weird position because um facebook its main competitor has two headsets that are very clearly positioned in two for two different audiences the Quest is kind of the, the cheap, kind of primarily for gaming. Uh, you buy it for your son for Christmas kind of uh, thing for like 400-ish euros. And then the Pro is more pitched as like a work thing. You have to pass through, which helps you with working at your desk and seeing your keyboard. And like somehow it's a way more expensive device, but it feels qualitatively different. And I feel like the Vive falls very weirdly in the middle uh, where Technically, hardware-wise, does a lot of the things that the Quest Pro does, and you could technically use it for work, but when we uh, did this demo, none of that software was ready, and they just made us play games, which didn't feel all that different from playing games uh, with a Quest 2. I mean, the hardware is better because you have a different weight distribution. You have the battery on your back uh, instead of on the front, so it's less front-heavy. The headset itself is really light, 250 grams, which is nice. It's modular. 
it's comfortable, uh, you have the better posture, etc. So it's it's not uh, it's not nothing, but it feels like it's really weirdly positioned where it it feels like it's actually competing with the Quest Two instead of with the Quest Pro in terms of functionality, and that's a really bad place for it to be when it's priced much more like the Pro than it is like the regular Quest. Yeah, sure. Uh, and this is interesting because um, I was rapping and just going to complain about the lack of food that HTC offered. <laughs> so no you food. Got into the, you More got into the depths of the, of, of the headset. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, and we also went to a strange event. Uh, the Samsung event was a bit strange because uh, for some reason on the day before, so on the Tuesday, um, the day before the launch, Samsung invited all of the German journalists and tech YouTubers and so on. Uh, and then we went on Wednesday and there was no one else there. It's like a handful of people who seemed uninterested. So, uh, yeah, we were there with a ran with random, I guess, Instagram influencers or something like that who like took three photos of the, the headset with their iPhones and then they're gone. So <laughs> plus us. <laughs> so, yeah. it was, but it was fun. It was still a nice it was, event. It was actually really good for us because we had all the devices in all the colors always available and we could film without anyone sort of, you know, trying to edge into our turf. So it was good. It worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks for your thoughts as always, Martin. And um, you can check Martin out at TechAltar where he's just put out a new video on TSMC um, and us on the Friday checkout on YouTube and on Twitter at TechAltar and Mastodon as well. Um, and me, I'm on Twitter at Tristan Rayner. Uh, thanks for everyone for joining in, checking us out, listening in um, and for tuning in and catch you next Friday. Thanks for listening or watching. Okay, cheers.